Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today. Or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome Transformation Talk Radio listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart. I am the Pushy Broad from the Bronx, and we are here today with my very special show, Recovery Recharged, with my co-host, the illustrious Dr. Pat. How yeah, are you? boy, this is a good one today, isn't it? I am so excited about this today. Um, you know, Ellen, your message has never been more needed than it is today in the world. The statistics show it, the numbers show it. Uh, and here we are one more time to really help those that may or may not even know what that next step is. So I can't thank you enough for doing the show. Well, it's always my pleasure. And today we've got something very special because not only is it about young people in recovery, but it is about the parents and the loved ones and the community that is reaching so desperately for answers and also for support. And this is why I'm very proud to introduce a woman who is the president and CEO of an organization, which is much more like a movement yeah. called Young People in Recovery. And her name is Danielle Torino. Let me just give you a brief overview of the kind of woman Danielle is. First, she is the president and CEO of an organization that has been around for 10 years, and she is the first woman president and CEO. So I personally applaud that as a pushy broad, okay? So I'm thrilled Danielle is one of the original pushy broads. She is also a founder and president of her own cybersecurity company, Prior to this, she's had multiple positions at the federal government level and also in addiction and the nonprofit world. She's considered a national expert in substance use disorder, and she really is in long-term recovery herself and also a proud alumna of Rutgers University. And she tells me to say, go Knights, which is what I'm going to do. <laughs> even though it's Jersey. So we want to hear all about young people in recovery and Danielle Torino. So Pat, why don't you start us off? Yeah, Danielle, it's so great to have you here um, for a lot of reasons. Um, thank you so much. Uh, for Look, it's hard to explain to people that aren't familiar with, what should I say, the many layers of recovery, right? You maybe watch a commercial over here, or you hear about a group over here, or you hear meetings, right? You hear that term, right? So there's a lot out there, but there's very little out there that gets underneath how to take action that will help save lives, right? Now, couple that with our youth, our youth, going through a time that I know what it was like for me as, as a young person, 
to have to deal with my own addiction. But in the world we're living in today, it is fundamentally different. And so you have created a community, a powerful one. I'd like to ask you, what is, how, how would you explain to people that understand a little bit about recovery, but people that don't, what, what this organization is about? You know, when we're thinking about YPR, when we're thinking about young people recovery, when we're looking at young people in recovery, there's a lot to understand, but you are here to give us an update on why in the history of addiction and recovery, this is one of the greatest challenges we have. Tell us about it. Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, and I'd like to hit it from two different places. And I, if anyone can see me, I talk with my hands because I also am from the Northeast. <laughs> um, and so, so the two places that I would hit on there um, that are so important specifically to young people in recovery, that's youth. So people under 18 or transitional aged youth, that's 18. I think we actually moved that all the way up to 31. Um, for transitional aged youth. Um, it's about resources and it's about thriving and potential, right? Um, because I am young and I have maybe the world in front of me and now I am suffering from a substance use disorder in any of its iterations. Um, and I don't, I probably don't live if I'm a college student, for example, or even a high school student in an environment that might be abstinent friendly um, or maybe not surrounded by a lot of peers who are also experiencing the phenomenon that is that it is to suffer with a substance use disorder anyway nevertheless as a young person um, and so resources and thriving um, those are two things i think ypr brings to the table and also the two things that we need uh, that i feel we need the most right so so do those resources exist for young people in their many iterations for them to become connected to their community, have opportunities to advocate, have access to the treatment support and peer services, peer meaning other young people that they need, and then thriving, what does that mean? There are all these things I don't know yet because I am growing up. Everything from how to balance my checkbook to participate in a healthy, positive, romantic relationship to how to apply to school. Um, and so, I look at us as being sort of a one-stop shop that allows the resources for the thriving, if that answers your question. Yeah, and let me tell you, um, this is for me, when I think about the trials, the challenges and the opportunities for young people, and I think of what you've created, what I'm really excited about to share with people is what you just said. And let me just tell you why I'm so excited about the way you described your organization. I work with young people in a program, a nine month program, we call it coming of age. And one of the things that I've watched time and time and time again, you know, losing sponsors, sponsees to suicide, whatever you want to know about that. The one thing that they have said is, this is great. Now what? What do I do in my life? How do I find out about this? Is it possible for, e for me to even get a high school education? I mean, aren't these at the core of what, what truly this journey is about? It's almost like it's been a missing link for 60 years. Absolutely. I like to say recovery is a process of discovery, no matter what our age is all, right? Whether we are young people in recovery or maybe don't classify ourselves as young people in recovery, that we're all on this journey. 
um, the beauty of of being a young person in recovery uh, from a psychological and brain science perspective, right? Early intervention means I have a better shot um, at staying and being in long-term recovery often, but then also what do I wanna be when I grow up? And these are fundamental questions that all young people struggle with, nevertheless, young people in recovery. Um, and so how do we provide those life skills and those supports um, to allow a person to thrive and flourish while getting the support they need at the same time in order to sort of I don't know what I want to be when I grow up still, right? The sky's the limit. There are many options. Um, but how do we hold people's hands um, in a positive way, in a way that inspires leadership um, as they decide what it is they want to become with this thing that is recovery? Yeah. We go back a long way and certainly somebody that understood, I mean, back when I was first getting clean and sober, the idea of having a whole community like this, a community of young people in recovery might have really helped me through those trials and tribulations. Because what you're expressing in young people in recovery is not only support for not picking up a drink or a drug, but support for living in recovery. And that has to do with decision-making and life skills and a community that's fostered that is irreplaceable, which helps to ensure that that person can stay in recovery and maybe minimize relapse. So it really does serve a major purpose. And in addition to that, I mean, it didn't just start, even though it started 10 years ago, why call it young people in recovery it's, if it's not only about young people? Tell us a little bit about that and what your personal story is behind that. Yeah, this is, this is a really good question. I can't wait to hear the answer to this. This is really good. Sure. So young people in recovery, we mean literally young or young at heart. Um, wherever, wherever does you consider yourself on the spectrum, um, because we're all in a in a constant phase, I think, of growing and learning and becoming. Um, so there's young from that perspective, but but my personal story and how it relates to, I've been with young people in recovery since it was what I call lowercase young people in recovery before there was an uppercase with a 501c3 young people in recovery. And and my story is is that I'm a product of a collegiate recovery community. Um, I happened to need services um, and hit the height of my substance use disorder as I know it um, while I was a college student. And I coincidentally happened to be on the only college campus in the world, in the world with a residential program for students to live in a recovery house and have 24 hour access to other people in recovery. Um, counseling services, the whole wraparound service infrastructure that Rutgers University in New Brunswick has. Yeah. And so I look at myself as being an exception to the rule. And then, so I'm really excited and stoked about this idea as a young person inside of my bubble at the Rutgers Collegiate Recovery Community. And real quick, that bubble gets popped because these are not services that everybody has access to. Nope. Uh, that I might literally be one in a billion. Um, and so how do we bring this idea of continuous, constant um, circumference of support around young people to scale? Um, and young people in recovery is sort of born of that solution. So we, the federal government invites us to a meeting, um, many of us between the ages of 18 and 30, to ask us to talk about our recovery in front of White House officials and government officials. And it was very confusing and exciting simultaneously. Um, I didn't know back then what I know now, right? Which is about uh, coming out as um, a 
process that everyone should have the opportunity to think about, but it is what it is. And so there we were, and we said, we're the supports for young people. And we were, we no longer wanted to be the token at the table. Um, we wanted to be part of something greater, this movement of young people in recovery. And so it's many iterations, it grows up into what I call uppercase young people in recovery. Um, and through the work of the former CEO and president, Justin Luke Riley, and um, a the team that surrounded him for many years to build an infrastructure around this idea of what it means to provide a long a long-term wraparound service to young people. So why do you consider this a movement, not only an organization? Sure. So I consider it a movement, um, A, because I believe we link into the larger recovery movement that's been happening across this country for many decades, which also has many iterations. Um, and, you know, movement to move. And the one thing I see the people in our chapters and our chapter leads, our members and our volunteers doing a lot is moving. Um, whether that is moving policy and pushing for advocacy for things that we need to make every community in America recovery ready, that is its movement. And then also this idea that young people are the future, as cliche as that sounds, um, that the ideas that our young people have um, that are being grafted upon them now are going to be brought into this next generation when we're the folks in power. Um, and so we want our recovery community of young people to be leaders, to be taught how to be leaders, to embrace what that means, um, to move things like policy and services for young people in recovery everywhere. Yeah. Well, Pat and I are advocates of, of recovery. And of course, you and I, Pat, have had one kind of treatment in the recovery world. But what's fascinating about young people in recovery is that they run the gamut of different methods of recovery, which is really fascinating. Wouldn't you say, Pat, that you don't have to just be from one, one uh, treatment? No, and you know, this is really why I was so excited here for today's show. This is, this is for me, uh, Danielle, uh, talking with my hands too. <laughs> this is exciting. And I, I want to share something with you. And I'd like both of you to comment on it because it talks to why this is a movement. It cannot be anything but a movement right now. Uh, maybe you'll share some statistics because some people that might listen and people that I talk to, by the way, by the way, um, it took me a long time to come out to my friends. And that happened about, oh, three or four years ago, we're all sitting around a big circle and somebody says, share a secret that nobody knows about that, that question. You ever get that one? Um, but the thing that I love about this, first of all, I love your organization and I want to make sure people go to the website. So we need to just take a moment and I want people to go here. I want them to go to youngpeopleinrecovery.org. Take a look at that picture, folks. And maybe, Zach, if you're doing the show, maybe you can bring that site up for people to see in our Facebook. But the thing that I love about what you're doing is this. When I was young, my uncle knew there was something not right with me. <laughs> There's a lot of things not right with me. I'm just saying you know, as a kid, there was a lot of things not right with me, right? I mean, I was all about Janice Joplin, the whole routine. I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, uh, Danielle, right? Do you think a little bit? I don't, know, I what met, you're talking about. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. Ah, look at, 
<laughs> but I met somebody that changed my life. And I don't talk about it that often on radio, but I need to mention her because she did for me what you're doing for the young people. And there was a lot of years that passed before anyone was able to do that again. And it's a woman that groups like AA literally didn't like her approach. They didn't like what she was doing. But I met her, my uncle, I'm from New York. My uncle's from New York. My uncle got in recovery. They figured after you're arrested, you need to find out what's underneath your craziness, right? For me, it was drugs at that time. And I met this woman and he took me to, I now know it was a meeting. I don't know what the heck I was going to, but I went to hear her. I had never heard a woman. I had never heard a woman. You know, my mom committed suicide. I was born into this world from a mother that drank and used. And I met Marty Mann. And Marty Mann, she's passed away now. She broke all the rules. But what she did then is what you're doing now. You see, we needed then in my we needed somebody to look you in the eye and say, you're not useless to go on national television. But see, this is the message that we are and you're bringing. And I want to ask you, it's daunting, your life path, what you've said yes to. I can only imagine how many times, how many times, Ellen, do you think, do you think Danielle has had to explain to somebody what recovery is? Oh my God. <laughs> I know as a recovery coach, I have to explain it to my clients that are in recovery. Okay. So really, and what is, what is YPR's membership at this moment? A million people? Yeah. Um, we're probably, if you look at our numbers on our event attendance last year, we had about 41,000 people come to our events and attend our meetings. Come to your events and attend your meetings. Mm -hmm. Great. All right. So explain again why YPR is open to all methods of recovery. Talk about that. Yeah. Sure. And so, yes, yes, but times 5,000 to the comments about how many times have I been asked to explain recovery. Um, how many times I've explained it properly is probably a different number, right? Because as <laughs> I have grown into my own understanding of it versus and not imposing that view on others, which is where I'm going with YPR and our, our focus on all recovery meetings and many pathways to recovery is that um, what works for me is what works for me. And I hold that dear and true to my heart. I use the words to describe myself um, as an addict and alcoholic inside of very specific places. Um, but when I am out front, I choose not to use those words because the right. public doesn't necessarily understand what I mean when I am saying them for myriad reasons, right? And so we have opened our, we are open to all pathways of recovery from sort of the, the substance abuse and mental health services definition, right? That recovery is a pathway and journey to wellness um, where there are many elements of my life getting better as a result of changing my relationship to a substance. Um, what period, whatever that might mean. Um, I will say that many attendees of young people in recovery events are also family and allies because this is a family disease and it affects the people around us. Um, and that when we go into recovery, we bring our families on that journey with us um, to, to heal sort of where our roots come from, right? Like I think it's 
the white bison concept um, that you can take a sick tree and replant it in healthy soil and it becomes well again. But when you take it home and replant it in that sick soil again, the tree gets sick again. Um, and so this idea, this all-encompassing idea that recovery um, is self-defined and it is a, it is not linear. Right? It is not a linear pathway to success or one goal, although there are many of those things. And so that way we are able to keep us open to all manifestations of young people, especially um, who are struggling in their self-determination around what they are and what they are not and what they are struggling with. Uh, we are not treatment. We don't provide that type of advice or service. Um, and we leave that up to the professionals, um, but we wanna make space um, and set a table for every person who thinks that they need us. Wow. It's um, amazing. It's just amazing what they do. Yeah. Um, I was struck by it when I went to your website and really looked at it and, and got underneath. Something hit me. And uh, Ellen, I'd love to, for you to weigh in on this. Something hit me that was very unusual about it. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out until this morning. And what I love about this is that young people in recovery is the movement of recovery. It doesn't matter which part of recovery or it doesn't matter what you're recovering from. It is a sacred space, a place where people can come, not just get help, but learn how to develop degrees of self-esteem or self-worth, which I think is at a core issue. Ellen, what do you think? Well, I can tell you that I was introduced to young people in recovery four years ago and ever since then completely blown away. I had been a part of that. I'd been a member for a very long time and worked with young people in recovery in various events. The thing that struck me the most was not only did they have a sense of what recovery was, but their self-esteem and their feeling of self-worth has come back so eloquently that the whole stigma of being an addict is completely gone in those rooms. I have talked to young people in recovery from all different states and from all different cities working chapter events. And the one common thread that they all have is shouting recovery loud and proud. And that is a phenomenal situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to ask you, Daniel, you're th this, and I want to say it again, youngpeopleinrecovery.org. One of the things I, I read and I was so eager to talk to you about, you know, there are three things, major areas that you all say you focus on, right? The second one is life skills curriculum. Wow. I mean, that is something that we don't really talk about or not. Can you talk to that and what that really means in the context of, of a young person in recovery, those life skills curriculum pieces? Ellen, do you see what I mean? Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and in that build, Danielle, talk a little bit about what the chapters do to enforce that. Sure, absolutely. So I'm so glad you brought this up because life skills programs are at the heartbeat of what we do um, in preparing our young people to go on to a, wherever they would like to go on to, um, and also in, in the development of more leaders in this field, whether they decide to stay in the field of young people in recovery or not, that we're producing people, um, or, or I should say guiding people to become the natural leaders that they are. Yeah. Um, and so 
our life skills programs also help people of all ages, not just specific to young people. And we have two different programs. One works with people in treatment or early out of treatment, and the other works with people who are currently involved in the criminal justice system. Um, and so two slightly different programs due to where they are implemented. However, the, the topics are the same. Financial literacy, the brain, finance, the brain sciences of addiction, um, how to find resources to help with employment, building a resume, education, how to find safe housing. We, we cover all of those over a multi-week period of time. Um, and then, then we have our chapters and our chapters are where you want to go for your next layer of love and help, right? And so maybe you are new out of treatment or new out of the criminal justice system in your, or you weren't involved in any of those places and you're just a young person in recovery and you're seeking community. Um, our chapters are designed to be that community with you and for you in how, whatever capacity you need. So the chapters offer things like all recovery meetings, which I spoke about earlier, uh, pro-social events. So everything from bingo night to uh, extracurricular to um, recreational sports. We have one uh, chapter that has a dodgeball team that plays against all the other dodgeball teams. It's the young people in recovery dodgeball team, uh, which I get a kick out of and love very much. To trivia nights, to open mic nights. You think of a pro-social event, we've probably run one at some point. Um, and, and that is to create a place where people in recovery can not just have their own community, but feel a part of the broader community that the rest of us have to live in. Um, because nowadays with the internet um, and in our globally connected world and so many more people being open and out about their recovery and also the impacts of the addiction epidemic that, that have had on this country, um, it's hard to just live in one small community of folks when you have a work life and an employment life and a school life where you might not be with other people in recovery, but we're a microcosm of a much larger community that we want to be a part of, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So very fundamentally, how does one join YPR if you're a young person and what do you do? And, and so we go to the website and then what do we do? We go to the website and we look up find a chapter and that is going to list out the currently we have 54 chapters across 13 states. Um, and so they're listed in state order. You will see if there is one in or around your state and if there are it's there is contact information there for the chapter leader, their email address, and you hook up with that chapter leader and they will provide you the resources and the Facebook sites and all of the different scheduling. Now, um, we are in an interesting situation due to COVID-19 where we have had to bring all of our services online and virtual, which means no matter where you are in the country, now you have access to any of our pro-social events and any of all reports our all recovery meetings across all 54 chapters in the country. We have a schedule of events also on our website. So you can hit anything anywhere and we would love to have you. And maybe that will inspire you to want to start a chapter in your own community. And if you want to do that, you can go to the part of our website that says start a chapter and there's an application and, um, and our amazing chapters and programs team um, will connect with you and walk you through what that might look like if you want to start a local physical chapter. Um, I will say that um, as awful as this global pandemic is, it has given us um, a an opportunity to rethink how we do things and how we are going to open up our programs and services to affect more people. And I get to go to an all recovery meeting in Rockport, Texas, and I live in Washington, DC that I otherwise wouldn't ever be, be able to have access to. Um, and I think that that's um, 
pretty interesting. So we are looking now, how can we solidify some of our virtual presence that we've now made? Um, I will say that if, since COVID-19 shutdown started, we've run 866 events um, and we have served thousands and thousands of people through those events, um, which means that more people are coming to those events because of virtual access. And so we are working tirelessly to ensure that virtual access remains a part of the menu of things that we provide for our communities. Wow. That certainly dispels the idea that you can't have a good time in recovery, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, uh, you know, I think let's take a short break, Ellen, if we could, because when we go back, when we come back, you know, we want to talk about the, the community aspect where people learn from each other. That is so not talked about enough. But when you're out there, like you are teaching skills, life skills, and helping people take the life that they had, regardless of what they thought about it, and create a new, you know, to have a future which provides hope and inspiration and action, but then to teach folks how to give that back. It's the full circle of recovery, isn't it? Why don't we take a short break, Ellen, right? Uh, we'll be right back, everybody. Don't go anywhere. We're taking your questions as well. 1-800-930-2819. Also on Facebook, if you have questions over there, I see some folks over there. Pop in your question. We'll make sure we get it on air. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Raising the vibrations through stimulating conversations while exploring the mysteries of Atlantis and Lemuria on Tales from the Mer World Radio with me, Amirabeth. Join us every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Be ready to feel empowered and an active part of the changing earth. For more information about me, visit Amirabeth.com. Hey, how's it going? If it's stressful or just plain exhausting, New Light Living is here to ask, is this the way you want to live? Join me, your intuitive spiritual life coach and host, Erika Sullivan, every week on New Light Living. Discover the power of creative tools to start living every day as your ideal dream day. See your life in the new light. To learn more, visit newlightliving.com. Get your goddess groove on with me, Laura Hosford. Tune in every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com, where I offer you authentic channel messages of love, inspiration, and heart healing grace. Get your goddess groove on. When the goddess speaks, everyone listens. For more information, visit LauraHosford.com. That's LauraHosford.com. Do you struggle with transitions? Do stifling limitations hold you back from achieving your innermost desires? There are soulful solutions right at your fingertips. Join me, Shamise Daniel, for inspiring conversations with spiritual leaders. Calm your inner storm and ignite your soul's fire. Tune in to Soulful Travel Adventures every first and third Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com to equip, 
empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go. Visit GetRootedRadio.com. What would you do with the power of community? How do you create your own rituals? Tune into Living Your Gifts with me, Susan Huff, Ancient Applications for Modern Times, the second Wednesday of each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Our lives begin with the stories we are told and the stories we tell ourselves. Storytelling is the key. To learn more about me, visit LivingYourGifts.com. That's LivingYourGifts.com. Wow, doesn't that song say it all? Thank you, Benny. Um, Ellen, uh, look, powerful is not really the right word for what Danielle and, and the organization is doing, right? Um, Inspirational is, is a great Yeah. So Ellen, let's take us through, how do we find out more about this? And, you know, I mean, clearly there are some things you, you, you want to really bring to the surface here too, Ellen, go for it. Well, first of all, I want people to know that Young People in Recovery is an organization. It is youngpeopleinrecovery.org. And I've been working with them for a while and certainly they need help and support. And that's one of the reasons why I asked Danielle to be kind enough to come on today. An organization needs support. So not only should you be going to youngpeopleinrecovery.org to put your email address in and become a part of this free organization, but I want you to get your loved ones to help support this movement. So one of the reasons why Pushy Broad from the Bronx has asked you to be here today is so that you can take a look and you can make a donation of any amount to help this one wonderful organization succeed. It is extremely important that they help save lives and help young people stay in recovery. So youngpeopleinrecovery.org, go there, join up, make a donation. Danielle, I want to continue here because I know that your chapter work is just amazing. So let's just talk a little bit about what it takes to form a chapter, and then let's go right, right into a little bit about the advocacy programs at YPR. Sure. So starting a chapter um, involves having um, one or preferably a, a group of highly motivated individuals, uh, volunteers who are willing to go through the process of learning how to set up a chapter, working with our national chapters team um, and learning all of our different um, how to host an all, things like how to host an all recovery meeting or how to host a workshop. Um, because similar to the life skills curriculum courses that I was talking about before, we host free community workshops on things like housing, education, employment, and finances. Similar, similar if not the same um, as our curriculum. And so there's a learning process. Um, that way our chapters um, are always able to offer fun and free activities. Um, and so in order to do that, raising money and, and making sure that our chapters have a healthy budget is an important part. So thank you so much for bringing up the donations. We can't do this work without our funders and our foundations and our government contracts and donor and our individual and family donors um, in order to keep those chapters alive and healthy. Um, our, and I'm sorry, second part of your question, um, how do we start a chapter? So you would go on to youngpeopleinrecovery.org um, and 
it literally says start a chapter. And yeah. so you're going to hit that button and you're going to um, get together with your friends who might be interested in being fellow volunteers and you're going to fill out that application and then we are going to review it and get back to you to start a process. Um, generally, we do like to, if we can find um, funding in a community, whether that's through a state or government grants, which we do get a few of, or through a foundation that's or, or an organization or a family that's focused on a specific community. Um, getting a little bit of startup money is really important because we would also like to offer employment opportunities. Being a part-time chapter lead is a paid position if we can find the funding for it. Um, and that way you are a part of your community and you're making some money um, in order because that volunteer work is really, really, really difficult. Um, and I give our volunteer chapter leads and chapter members so much credit uh, for the time and dedication that they give us, um, but certainly where we can create a job, we would like to. Isn't that amazing, Pat, right? It's free to join. It's free to bring people together. And it, and it's <laughs> many times free to have a great time. It's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think the thing I want to point out to and, and I'd love for you to comment on it, because um, like Ellen and I both, we've organized different aspects of things around recovery. But one of the things that we didn't have that you have is support for people. And that's why this is a, uh, an organization and it's, it's a movement of mentorship as well. And that part of recovery is to me, and I'd love for you to talk about it. It's going through the process, understanding what it is, but then learning about leadership and what that could look like. You know, these are values and these are attributes that seem so far-fetched from somebody that is literally in the middle of their addiction. And yet it is an outcome we all know is possible. Can you talk about that? Meaning it's not just an organization, young people in recovery, right? It's an organization that teaches people how to bring the message, organize, be inspired, take leadership, and then the cycle starts all over again. Can you talk to that? Absolutely. And I think that was really well put. It is a cycle. Um, and we put it, it, we put new people in and they become these amazing leaders that do amazing things in their life. And in return, that brings in the next person um, that we pump through that cycle, right? Um, and hopefully they stay with us for a really a long time. And um, sort of this idea that, so on all of our many pathways of recovery, we have access to a whole, right, and sometimes we don't, right, a range of supports um, around, around me and my relationship with my substance use disorder. But what I definitely needed as a young person in recovery was not just a hyper-focus, although that is very important, on my relationship with my substance use disorder, but a hyper-focus on what's my relationship now to the world um, and what is it that I want to be. And the stories um, of our members and our chapters and our volunteers and the people that work for us are truly amazing. Um, everything from I mean, sky's the limit, going back to school, going back to school again, um, getting out of jail and then becoming the owners of companies um, and going back to school, right? Um, all of these things that were sort of told by the very bad diet, you know, 
dialogue in society that we don't have access to as a result of our status as people who are suffering from addiction or a substance use right. disorder. Um, and we know that that ostensibly is not true, right? But how do we tell, how do we show the rest of the world who might have stigma about us that that is not true? And that's by being in the community, doing community leadership, standing by the sides of other community organizations and being actively engaged in what happens on the ground in order to turn a, a community from whatever it is into a, a recovery ready community, which is a word you'll see or a phrase you'll see across our website a lot. Um, and that, and that we really have that sky's the limit thing. And I, and I'm going to keep saying it is really not a cliche. Um, it really is the experience no, it's not. of thousands no, it's and thousands of people in recovery, millions of people in recovery have experienced this sort of comeback kid slash um from the ashes rises the phoenix that's the phoenix is the name of our one of our life skills programs right um, and so and this idea that if you can be surrounded by other people who support you on that journey who motivate you who mentor you to go find whatever the next thing in your life is um that recovery becomes a layered process of not just recovery from a substance use disorder right which on any day is good enough by itself right i think for me as a woman in recovery by itself, no longer subjecting, being living the life that I was living due to my relationship with drugs and alcohol is a great day by itself. But then there's so much more. Um, and we want there is to so much more. Mm -hmm. And see, that's what I hope that the message is that people get from what you're doing. There is so much more. You know, you nailed it. I mean, people look at me and they see me as the Dr. Pat show. And, and right, Ellen? And I got to tell you, I shared this story a little bit the other day. The people tracked me down from my high school, like Plainfield High School in Jersey. They tracked me down and they said to, they, literally, they, verbatim almost, the woman said to me, are you Pat Basile from Plainfield High School? I said, yes, I am Pat Basile. They said, the Pat Basile, Plainfield High School, Jersey, you had two crazy sisters. I said, yes. They said, that's not possible. I said, they said, you can't be Dr. Pat. You can't be that person. And, and I thought, is this like a punk joke? Like my friends are like doing a thing there. She says, look, we knew you got thrown out. We knew you were homeless, begging on the streets in New York. We knew you were arrested in Plainfield. And then we heard you were dead. No way. And she cursed. But you see, your organization says, yes, way. There is. That is it. There is a way. And it's hard to explain the miracle when you stop and go into recovery, how your life changes. Because Ellen, right? You look at your life. I look at mine. And I had two moments of it. I didn't stop drinking and using at the same time. I didn't. But thank God that I knew what to stop when I was 23. But when all of it went away, I did exact, I changed. I was able to go back to school. See, these are the stories we have to tell. This is not a joke. This isn't just a, a con, this is about changing lives, right, Ellen? Right, Danielle? That's the Absolutely. difference in the, this con recovery conversation. 
we're in a situation here, and the reason that you and I were so thrilled about doing the show when I brought it to you was that we are the success stories. Sitting here with women, you and I have over 30 years of being in recovery, the success stories. You and your network, me with my recovery coaching and, and, and all of the other work that I do surrounding it. And Danielle is the CEO and president of Young People in Recovery. This is telling parents and telling people out there, people do recover and we do that for a long time long-term recovery is a real thing and we are so much better because of it but one of the things that is certainly an advantage i mean pat if you and i had young people in recovery back then maybe people wouldn't have thought you died like me okay? <laughs> <laughs> and there is no way i walked out of there alive okay i od'd on so many things i was a, you know a regular a regular patient at Fordham Hospital in the Bronx. I mean, come on. I mean, if we had organizations like this, which is why it's so important. And on top of that, the thing that blew me away about people in recovery is the thing that I want Danielle to talk about here. I know she has her own war stories and she came up through the ranks just like all of us, okay? And, and we can all count how many near-death experiences we've had. But the best thing about it is the healing and not only that but not only helping to change policy working with the government and this organization which is amazing in itself the advocacy and the grassroots work that this organization does but you are really now ypr is actually changing the language of recovery reduce yeah. stigma let's talk about that danielle a little bit yes, let's let's talk about that because like thing one right out of the gate I can't tell you how much grief I am getting now from a few people and a few organizations with the fact that we're doing this show, that I'm talking about it, and we're going to have a new host do a show that we're just not willing to be silent anymore. And people don't understand that, right? They don't understand what some of these rules were, but those rules don't work anymore, right, Daniel? Sure, and those rules are a choice. Um, one that I embrace and respect very deeply um, yeah. from my anonymous fellows, right? Um, yeah. But it's, you know, we can take a lesson from the AIDS movement, right? Silence equals death, that's what they say. Um, oh and I think God. we can take a, a deep lesson from what's happening in our current environment because I'd be remiss without saying that that's a part of this too, because it is. Um, that. Um, the inability for us as a community to be able to express ourselves out of fear of discrimination um, and, and a system that frankly, up until even recently, and I would argue it's still not that empathetic towards people who are suffering from substance use disorders for myriad reasons. Um, and that the opportunity to be able to reframe A, how I talk about myself as a person in recovery, like I said, the words that I use and my pathways of recovery are meant for those communities and those environments. Um, but when I go and I tell use those words with somebody else who doesn't 
understand that environment that I come from, I've just created a picture in their mind of something I am or am not, right? By using the addict word or the alcoholic word. Um, and, and this isn't Danielle talking, this is like a lot of science, right? That has come out over the last few years um, on the language we use and, and the importance of being able to express ourselves in a way to not the outsider, but to the non substance use disorder recovery person, right? Um, so they can relate in instead of trying to identify away from us. Um, and this idea that through the changing of the language and the way that we define ourselves as a community actually makes us exactly a part of that community that we were so shunned from, um, I think is actually rather beautiful, right? Because it means that by accessing, having access to services, which is a problem in and of itself, and stigma and discrimination has caused our community to not have access to services for very for so long. Um, and, and sadly, it took um, the worsening of what was already an awful addiction epidemic to get a little bit of attention from our government and from our, you know, Congress people and the people that make the rules and dole out that taxpayer money, right? Um, it took a hell of a lot to get their attention. Um, and so what is it how can we prepare our communities um, to be a part of this broader conversation? And it means that we need to all start speaking a similar language, um, a language that is not stigmatizing to self or others, um, a language that is easy to understand for the outsider, right? Because you and I speak a different language just inside of recovery. And that throws people off. I've seen my family and my friends who are not in recovery listen to a whole bunch of us talking and be like, what are these people talking about? Um, and, and that this you and I difference is unnecessary, right? Um, that there are so many fundamental things about being in a person in recovery that are relatable at the human level. Um, and that if we were to start speaking about things in those terms, how much different experience we might a feel about ourselves and b have with our community as a whole yeah i what are you struck by most and let me tell you what i mean by that question and ellen you too um there are things that i discovered along the way to you know sharing my story right but one of the things i didn't realize that i would be able to do about my own journey is have a sense of humor about it and it is the hardest thing to explain to people <laughs> when you're talking about things. And I share the story of how I lost my Harley in Provincetown, right? And it's a funny story, but it wasn't funny back then. Um, is there a right way? Am I doing it right? You know, are we doing it right, Ellen? You know what I mean? I think that is that is something that I've I, I'm trying hard to let go of, right, Ellen? Not there yet. Yeah. We're gonna you learn from Danielle, though. You need a recovery coach, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I really do. And yeah. the big things, the biggest things that hit me really hit me because I've been talking about it for years, being a teacher and being in recovery and a coach. I never like to say I'm an addict. I never like to say that. It made me feel dirty. It made me feel like I was never going to get out of being an addict. But to say, I am Ellen, I am in recovery, is something that I can be proud of. 
And if I turn around and say that I'm in long-term recovery, it means that I have been working my most of my entire adult life to get me where I am now. And that it means that it's so much more than just not picking up a drink or a drug. I learned how to be an adult. I've learned how to be responsible. Does it mean I get it right all the time? No. But does it mean that I'm still in recovery? Yes. Am I proud of that? Yes. Is that something that everybody should be proud of? If every single member of Young Person Recovery learns just to be proud of that one thing, we will have a much better world. I'm convinced. Right. That is, uh, Danielle, one of the most, to me, critical and important parts of your organization that the world should know about. It is the thing we don't talk about that very much. It is one of the most needed things that we need to learn how to become people again. We have to learn a way of behavior that we were never taught. Right. I mean, people don't get it. They're like, why didn't you just shape up? I mean, like, okay. (laughs) When I came into recovery, I'm not, I didn't even know how to brush my teeth properly. Right. Right. Um, Right. I had dental issues and I was 19 because it's not that nobody taught me. I was definitely taught how to, you know, and sing the song while brushing my teeth. It's because nothing else mattered. Um, you know, when you look at the the brain science of addiction and, and how we get hijacked, right, and all of our other normative function all gets rewired to be about getting and using and finding ways and means to get and use more drugs, right? Um, so simple things like, hey, did you put on deodorant today? Did you brush your teeth twice today? That was my experience as a young person living in this collegiate recovery house that I actually needed reminders of and I needed to relearn. Um, and because the, because that's where my life took me. And so learning to live with dignity and honor as a part of my, and honor myself as a woman in recovery and a person in recovery, um, were fundamental. And, and I think we do need to talk about those things more often, right? Um, that, that I can go from not knowing how to brush my teeth to having multiple degrees and being CEO and owning my own company and, you know, and not to toot my own horn because my story is like everybody else's story that I have ever met in right. the course of recovery, regardless of their pathway, right? Um, that I have met the most incredible, resilient, intelligent people as a result of the work I've done in the places that I've been. Um, and the importance, especially now, of elevating those stories um, and having the ability to to invite understanding, to invite conversation, um, and and also to inspire, right? Because I am just a product of the 50 people that inspired me most during the course of my recovery, right? It those were the people I latched onto, and I believed them when they said that their lives were different. Yeah. Well, let's hope that there are some people listening today that can get inspiration from the three of us talking about hope and recovery and success stories, because we've come through it and we have thrived. And that's a wonderful thing. And we want to be able to reinforce again where people can go to become members of YPR. So Danielle, why don't you give us that one more time? Sure. That's youngpeopleinrecovery.org. You've been listening to Recovery Recharged with Certified Life and Recovery Coach, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx. 
Don't miss your next opportunity to let me help you recharge your recovery, let go of your secrets, and change the way you think, feel, and act right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com.